In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's meet the crew. It is just me this week. Uh, I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And like Brett, I play video games. And like Kelly, I watch TV. But they are out. I am here. Manning the Mothership by myself. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod, or you can send an email to at MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Now on to the main topic. Here's a clip. I needed to find a way to outlive my daughter. So I began my experiments in search of mortality. I'd make some adjustments to people. Barry. Anyone I get close to, it always ends in pain. Rita. Sometimes the easiest pain to ignore is our own. Jane. I've got 64 personalities. I'm Miranda. Penny Farthing, sir. Baby doll duck! Hey, Siri. What's the Doom Patrol? Stop doing that. My name's Vic. I'm dealing with some kind of post-traumatic stress. Booyah. And you, Cliff. Get your ass back here! Oh, yeah! What's up with his daughter? Dorothy's missing. She will unleash hell on Earth. I told you to be polite. And you will be powerless to stop it. Help me find her. That was a clip from Doom Patrol, the DC superhero TV show that premieres its second season on HBO Max on Thursday, June 25th. The series stars Brendan Fraser, Matt Bomer, Joyvin Wade, April Balby, Diane Guerrero, and this week's special guest, Timothy Dalton. You have probably seen uh, Timothy Dalton in lots of stuff. Flash Gordon, Hot Fuzz. He was James Bond for a few movies. So, so many things. So we're awfully glad to have him on board this week. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You? Good, good. How, how is your um, quarantine going? That's very boring, isn't it? We closed down in Atlanta on March the 13th. I was here March the, in L.A. March the 14th. Mm-hmm. Since then, it's boring. So uh, did you did you did you end up finishing the season before you shut down, or do you need to go back at some point? No, we we lost. I think it was the last three working days. Okay, and I think sadly we've pretty much lost the last episode. Oh, that's too bad. I guess it'll be a cliffhanger of sorts then. Well, no, we've still got a very good end. I mean, we've got a terrific end. Okay. Um, and I think the, what's going to happen with the last episode is that if the show's picked up, it'll, it'll probably be 
the first episode of a new season. Gotcha. So it's not wasted. It's not wasted. Uh, well, that's good. And I, I grew up reading old Doom Control comics when I was a kid. Um, but it was a new, it's a new property for a lot of people, uh, especially now who are going to watch HBO Max and catch up on the first season and then watch the second season. Uh, it's become kind of a cult hit. What, for you, is the biggest appeal of this dysfunctional superhero family? It is astonishing. It is unique. It is like nothing I've ever read or ever seen or ever been in ever before. It's really exciting in that sense. Well, and one of the big reveals of the first season was, was how Chief's responsible for the patrol members getting their powers, and it ties in with keeping his daughter, Dorothy, safe. How much does that info play a role in the group dynamic in the second season? I, I think, yes, it's a continuation. It's a continuation of the first, it's the first season, except, as you know, the Chief's daughter has now appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, he still, of course, I think the change in his or a development in his personality would be, you know, a sense of guilt and regret, perhaps. No, not regret. He knew exactly what he was doing to those other people, and he was doing them for his own purposes. But I think, I, I think some guilt is working in there, and he does need to look after them and want um, a better relationship with them. But his main theme now, of course, is... He has his daughter, and his daughter is extremely dangerous, both to the world, and consequently the world is going to be very dangerous to her. And it's just a lot of the story is how he handles that, that contradiction. And the first episode back of the first season gives us an interesting look at Dorothy and what she can do in terms of her abilities. What do you really like about her character and her relationship with the Chief? Well, first of all, you start with Abigail Shapiro, who plays the role, and she is just astonishingly good. She's wonderful. I mean, <laughs> I, the first I saw I, before working with her, I said, "Can I? I need to have a look at what the makeup's going to be like, please." And so they showed me a picture, and it almost moved me to tears that this lovely, lovely girl had this what most people would call a disfigurement, and she, she was she, so vulnerable. And she is wonderful. She's a terrific addition. She plays so well. Well, and there's a there's an interesting classic movie vibe with that character because, like you like you mentioned, disfigurement. You know, it, it it you can see how it would like it would affect people what what people thought of her. But yet, you know, that character is so sensitive, and you know, she does bring out so, yes, emo- so it's much not emotion. Dis- it's not disfigurement in a horrid way. It's it's just so different. I mean, she's called the ape-like girl, the monkey-like girl. You just feel so yeah. sorry for her, and she's so vulnerable. She's so sweet. Right. I take it you've seen the first three episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so you know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really interesting, and I, I, think, I think that brings out an interesting parts of, of the chief that we haven't seen, you know, kind of, you know, her, obviously he cares a lot about her, but yet in that first episode, they're all shrunk, but you know, they got bigger, they've got bigger problems literally to deal with. And yet, you know, he is very caring for his daughter at that point still. Well, his whole focus, don't forget his whole focus has been his daughter. Yeah. Um, his experiments on the other members of the doom patrol were not simply out of scientific 
interest they they were about finding a way to keep himself alive, immortal, semi-immortal, whatever, so that he could look after his daughter. I mean, everything was geared towards his daughter. The fact that it was totally egotistical and totally selfish, and he was bloody awful to these people <laughs> in how he destroyed them and turned them into sort of living tragedies of despair and failure. You know, he, he coped with perfectly well because everything was geared towards what he could do to save and nurture his daughter. Right. So the love of his daughter has been from the very beginning, although it was not known by an audience then. And the the recent trailer teased the new villains, Candlemaker and Red Jack. What can you say about those folks without getting in trouble? Um, I don't know. I always get in trouble one way or the other. Um, <laughs> the Candlemaker... The candle maker, the candle maker, the candle maker. Well, we know, and I'm not sure how much I should do it. I should check my crib sheet of things that I'm not supposed to talk about. Um, maybe if Courtney's on the line, maybe she could tell me. Um, these are, they are all, many, but I can say is they are manifest. You've seen, you've seen the candle maker at work. They're all manifestations of Dorothy's mind. But they're not just dream. They are they are capable of doing real things, real bad things in the world we're in. Um, but they are her creations. Um, I'm sorry, I paused because I'm still not sure what I could say or not. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, other than kind of you know the the daughter stuff, um, what aspect of the chief do you really enjoy playing in this season that maybe you didn't get to explore in the first season? Um, I don't think there's anything more special. I mean, the first season there was a lot of a lot of um, sort of trying to discover good ways to go, how best to bring things out. Um, you know, he was a, a veiled man. A lot of his his goal was hidden. His methods were kind of hidden. A lot of you know um, he was secretive and all that. But that's you know he's just a man. He's a man like we all are of many different sides. Um, in this season, I have much more to do. In season one, of course, the whole story was about the chief being missing, which means right. you're not on screen much. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there were not, I mean, you know, I just, I, look, let me, let me pose this question in a different way. Every time I, I when every time the envelope arrived with the script, my heart would lift because I knew I was going to read something in there, whether it had to do with me or to do with any of the other characters. I was going to read something shocking, something fabulous, something really interesting. I mean, remember, this is a show that, uh, you know, where a street can have an orgasm, where there are people getting attacked by flying butts, and that's butts with two T's, not one, and they have teeth. You know, there's <laughs> always something fantastic about to happen. It's a wonderful surprise. So I think I've forgotten your question now. But um, that's how I approach season one, of joy, with joy. And season two, of course. And, yeah, go on. Well, and, and Danny the Street just kind of brings up, you know, kind of my next question, which is there are so many kind of really interesting characters, both the main characters and, you know, obviously supporting characters as well. Who do you really like to watch in terms of their character arc, in terms of, of how they interact with other people? Well, I'm not going to start doing favoritism here. Um, 
when you try and analyze this show, when you try and think how they got from a blank page to the show that gets on screen, you, it, it's nothing short of brilliant, you know? A blank page inside a couple of weeks or so and then filming time becomes the show we've got. It's astonishing. It's really wonderful. And I was talking to one of the writers about... I mean, I, I've been in writers' rooms, and I was wondering what this writers' room was like, because every week they turn up with something just beyond the bounds of most people's perception or ideas or, e or even imagination. And they just say, it's like being in a playground of imagination. We can, we can go as far as we like, think what we like, do what we like, and it's, that's a sort of um, really, really exciting work that's coming out. That's where it all comes from. Lighter writers let loose, which <laughs> 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 often is not necessarily a good thing. Um, but these writers are wonderful. They are fabulous. I mean, can you imagine sitting down and coming up with stories that we come up with? They're great. Anyway, you were asking about what characters I like. I, of course, I mean, they're all, they, they all depend on each other. They're all part of the, you know, the, the, the network, the, the, the mesh. They're all part of the, the love and the loss and the care that goes on in this movie. Um, I've, I've always had a, a I'm not going to say, they're all terrific. I'm not going to pick out one. No, I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Um, this year marks the 40th anniversary of Flash Gordon, which is something close to my heart because it was the first movie I ever saw in a theater. Um, you've had so many kind of really, great, yeah. It, I, I was four. I was four years old when I saw it. It was, it, and it like I think I think it really. My, kind of, oh my! And I think that's why I love like you know sci-fi movies and comic books and I you know it was very much kind of like I think the starting ground for where I my interest. But you've had so many great action adventure comic book heroes, you know, over your entire career. Where does Prince Baron rank? I don't do ranking. I mean, I think that would be awful just to start. I mean, I can understand you, your question and why you're asking it, but you know, every film is different, and every film is you put your life into a film. You know, you, it's your heart, your mind. Everything goes into the making of a film. And so the film becomes your bones, your blood, your memory, everything. And so I don't think there's a lot to be gained by, you know, <laughs> saying the arm is better than the big toe or whatever. I just remember it as a great, a really wonderful, funny, out there film. Um, yes. What else do you remember? I mean, because it, it must have been so, because, you, you know, you have Hawkman running around, you've got you know, a Jets quarterback who's like the main hero of the thing. You've got Ming. He's Max von Sydow is Ming. Um, you know, what, what was that just kind of a trip, just the, making that whole movie? It was. No, truly, it was. It was just, it was a joy to work on. It was a joy to work with Mike Hodges, who, who directed it. It was, I, I'm sorry, words are kind of failing me here. I don't want to undervalue <laughs> or overvalue the use of certain words. Um, I think sadly, sadly, what I, in retro, I mean, I went to see Edgar Wright, who directed Hot Fuzz, asked me to go to a, there was an anniversary sort of screening we had in Los Angeles a couple of years ago, and I went, and I went to see it. Um, 
and I just thought, what a lovely, fabulous film it is. It's it's so tongue in cheek and funny and and terrific. And then I remembered just how badly it the, the, how badly it was it, it was received in this country in the United States. It was the biggest film, second biggest film, I think, worldwide that year. And here in the United States, there were there were critics who were saying, awful script. I mean, a really bad piece of writing. I mean, who on earth would say, Flash, we've got nine minutes to save the universe. I mean, that's appalling writing. <laughs> <laughs> who, would, who would say, not realizing it's funny, not talking about the spaceship, you know, the red and, the red and gold paper mache sort of spaceship. Haven't they seen Star Wars? We don't have spaceships like this anymore. <laughs> and you can tell Brian Blessed's wings are cardboard. It's awful. <laughs> they just didn't get it, and I've never yeah. quite understood why. If I suppose if I look back on Flash Gordon, I mean, here am I supposed to be playing some, you know, good-looking Dumbo, basically. <laughs> what a wooden stiff Dumbo who this who this you know the the the, the girl the Italian uh, uh, oh god um, and Ornella Muti was playing the character you know I mean, it's just one of those I forget what are those two puppets you've got in America or they were on always either it's a TV series or advertising cartons actually they were in Toy Story three as well. A beautiful woman with a very curvaceous body and a very handsome man who were utter dopes who fell in love with each other. I mean, I was just playing the male half of that. So maybe there wasn't too much of a challenge in it. Um, one last thing before I let you go. Hollywood's trying, getting ready to restart productions on stuff. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get a season three of Doom Patrol where you're going to go back to that. Um, but as an actor, what are you kind of most concerned about in going back to work in a pre-vaccine world? Well, I'm not sure about what conditions, you know, people are talking about going back to work in. I've heard about people having to live in a studio, which I don't think too many people are going to want to do. But the other, the other harsh, realistic truth is an enormous amount of people are out of work and unable to earn money. I think I think there have to be conditions that do guarantee as much as possible the safety of everybody, not just the leading actors, but all the actors and all the crew. And I can't quite see how that is going to be done easily at this moment in time. Right. And particularly, you know, if we are... Look what's just happened in China. They've just had another outbreak in China, so... Just when we think this is all over, we might get a you know a boomerang come and hit us in the back of the head, and another outbreak starts. I don't know is the answer, but whatever happens, it must be done with a very powerful organisation to safety. Yeah, cool, sir. Thank you so much for taking time, and I, I can't wait to um, see more Doom Patrol and see more of you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, listeners, your turn. Are you going to watch the new season of Doom Patrol? What was your first movie that you saw in a theater? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brian Truitt. If you want to give Brett a hard time, he's at Brett Molina 23 and Kelly is at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S. 
And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershiphot at usatoday.com. But we're going to wrap up things here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of the Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Ali Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts aren't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next Friday, nerds out and stay inside.